Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we are live with the Huddle Breakdown this Tuesday evening. Welcome along to this live stream of the podcast as we look back on Celtics' defeat to Kilmarnock. 2-1 to Kilmarnock in the end and a lot of people are making the joke in the comments end of the line for Brendan Rodgers I don't think it's quite end of the line for Brendan Rodgers just yet but we are getting to the end of our wits with this Celtics team at this point in time we're going to be looking back at the game the performance and probably some overall themes that have been probably across the season and could have predicted this performance and this result in fact coming against this exact team in this exact scenario at this, at this exact time, time of year um, as Celtic trot along towards the upcoming derby match and a Champions League game that everyone seems to have a ticket for, which is not a good sign when you're seeing countless ticket pages say that they have got spares going for a Celtic Champions League match against a team like Feyenoord. That is a very telling sign for how the Celtic fans are feeling about this current team under Brendan Rodgers. Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers, is on the line as well, as is Jico James. Hi, guys. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. <laughs> so is uh, <laughs> where do we start? Where, where do we want to start with this? There's loads of comments coming in already. People are not very happy with the performance. Loads of comments on our Twitter page as well when we asked for some questions and some comments. So we'll get to those later on. We will talk about some of the comments in the YouTube as well. Uh, but I guess, James, we'll, we'll start with you. You said that you were worried about this game. And look, the first half was fine. Uh, the first half was generally okay. Uh, but the second half, it was, again, sort of like the reference that Brendan Rodgers said, there was too many players on that pitch that thought they could just turn up in that second half and not lift a, a toe and just go about their business and they would somehow get over the line. And Kilmarnock just overturned them by simply running more than them. That seemed to be what happened. Yeah, they dialed up the pressure and um, we... Ah, capitulate's probably too, word, uh, too strong of a word, but... Um, Freaked out, maybe, is, is a little more accurate, um, particularly on the ball. So we, we um, particularly in that first 15 minutes of the second half, um, went longer. I think about a quarter of our passes during that period were long passes, which, again, is like uh, f- five times our normal rate of, of going long. Um, so it, it really was that first 15 minutes 
where you saw this, you know, significant shift in how they were playing and in our real struggle to, to handle it. Um, and, you know, th- this goes back to what we've talked about recently and specifically within the context of the Aberdeen game and the um, Hibs game kind of masking some of the latent issues with the team in that when the opposition sets up in certain ways, particularly when we're on a big pitch, you know, it, it's in some ways um, the opposite of stress testing our weaknesses. I mean, it basically just lets us off the hook. Uh, and I, I think that that's what that second half was really all about. It was a, it was a coherent game plan uh, uh, amongst a team that, you know, doesn't have any world beaters, but they're big, they're strong. They have some speed mixed in there. Um, you know, the pitch conditions were not typical. I mean, that you, um, I, I think that is a factor that you can't just, you know, when you get that much rain on that kind of pitch, you're not playing a, a normal game uh, as far as the speed of the ball and its movement. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it was kind of a perfect storm in that regards. And that, and that's not to excuse anything that went on or, or at all. I mean, the opposite of that, but um as you said, not a surprise because of, of some of the warning signs that we've had. And when they kind of flipped the switch, uh, when they did, it, it wasn't that surprising that we struggled. Yeah. Alan, I want to talk later on in the show about the lack of control Celtic have had in these games in possession. I think this is one of the most sloppy Celtic sides I can remember. And that has been a thing we, we did touch on that. That was something that we worried about in the first two to three games was the sloppiness in possession. Um, and that was, again, very evident in the second half. But what was your initial thoughts after watching and then re-watching this game? What was it for you that was the def- deciding factor for Celtic? <laughs> well, I, I, I try not to go onto social media uh, after any game. Sometimes when we win, it's fun and that's okay. But when we lose, it's just such a toxic place. Um, and there's no arguing with people when they're when they're feeling like that. And to be honest with you, I probably felt the same as the vast majority of the fans. I felt, you know, almost shell shocked really at the at the way that Celtic had, had seemed to capitulate. And this is really another reason why I do what I do. You watch the game back, you take all the emotion out of it, and I'm really just looking at it kind of fairly clinically, gathering the data. I'm concentrating on what's happening both sides. And I'm thinking about what people are trying to do and where they are and where they should be and all that stuff. And I'm not really, I know the results. I'm not worried about that. Right. And it it does, it honestly, honestly does give you a complete, not a completely different perspective. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Celtic played well. I'm not going to sit here and say that Celtic um, deserved anything out of it or were unlucky in any way. Absolutely not. But I just want to try and kind of, you know, temper some of the, some of the, the reaction from this in terms of just 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 with a few observations the first observation is that the first half was actually pretty good it was actually okay i mean i'm not saying it was thrilling football i'm not saying it was you know i'm not going to i'm not saying it was champions league level or anything like that but i'm saying that we controlled the game we pinned them back we created good chances they whenever they got the ball um anywhere near our goal and it was long throws long free kicks into the box yes there was a couple of, of hairy moments but um in general uh, we we did okay in that first half and and the way that Celtic, what's the other thing that Celtic did well in that first half was uh, the two center backs Phillips and Scales they had about um 
six, no more than that. I think it's nearly 10, 12 um, ball carry. So Kilmarnock, as always, as McInnes always does against Celtic, went man for man, right? So when you play against man for man, um, you're obviously not going to man-mark the goalkeeper. You're not going to man really generally man-mark the centre-halves. I mean, v- Vassell was trying to close them down, but I mean, he's like 16 stone and can barely move, right? So he's not going to aggressively press your two centre-backs too much. So what I liked was that the, the two centre-backs stepped out on occasion. Uh, they looked very awkward. I mean, Phillips just looks horrendous on the ball, but he did it and he actually made ground and he he scuttled past a couple of missed tackles and made progress on a few occasions. But that listen, you do that five times and a half and you, you keep the pressure on them and them and you make them make choices. And I think we did that reasonably well. We, we passed it kind of okay as well. I think uh, at halftime we were, we were kind of well ahead on the old the old packing uh, stats, etc., and 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 by XG, I had us a goal up uh, pretty much uh, at, at halftime. So they, and they'd only had three possessions in in our box. So I think that's okay in in a tricky away game. Um, I mean, Kilmarnock. If you look at all of the XG models, predictive models, Kilmarnock are actually arguably the third best team in the league this season. So so that I was okay with that. In the second half, we stopped doing all of those things. And, and this is what, and actually, Rogers, everyone complained about Rogers and how calm he was after the game, et cetera, et cetera. But what, if you actually listen to what he said, he's absolutely spot on in what he said. He said the players at the back, they stopped passing the ball and they put too much pressure on, on, on other people. Now, I'll go further than that. I, I think that Scales and Phillips in particular were, right, when, he, when I talk about bravery in football, I'm talking about bravery on the ball. Anyone can fly into a challenge. Anyone can smash somebody in the air. Being brave in football is is giving a difficult pass and taking a difficult pass. And what these two those two players in particular did in that second half is they abjugated their responsibilities and they kept passing it back to Joe Hart. What do you want Joe Hart to do with it? He's clearly the worst footballer in the team. Why do you keep giving him the ball? You need to, even if players are man-to-man marked, right? What you have to do is you pass the ball to their outside foot, the one that's furthest away from the defender, and, uh, and, 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 you, and you just try and progress. Well, you might miss one or two, right? But what they were doing is, is they, were, they, they, were, they were cowardly, actually, in, in a lot of what they were doing, and just, and just, you know, giving the responsibility to heart. Then you add, a, you add into that, in terms of, you know, toxic combinations, the fact that, that Taylor, in the second half, from open play, 12 passes and gave the ball away 10 times. He was horrendous on the ball. And so suddenly, you know, um, you know you're know, just not getting anywhere. You're not, you, 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 the two centre-backs stop making runs with the ball and they're not passing the ball up the pitch. So, so you just invite all of this pressure. The other thing I would say is, you know, let, let's, let's put to bed any notion that Kilmarnock were somehow Barcelona or, or, or Real Madrid <laughs> or something like that. They, they, had, they had a five-minute spell at the beginning of the second half when they pinned Celtic in their box with long throws, three kicks corners, they created a number had a number of shots at goal. They were all very, they were all low low xg. They were all poor quality chances. And then at the, from the fifty sixth minute to when they scored in the seventy fifth minute, they were abject. Kilmarnock on the ball were dreadful, and in fact they were dreadful on the ball for most of the second half. But where they were excellent was off the ball, and and, and they they up they up the level of their intensity. Uh, off the ball considerably and, and just worked a lot harder than Celtic off the ball. Um, and, and nothing exemplified that more 
than the last four minutes spent in in the left hand corner, where they they won throw in after throw in and were able to throw the throw in to a player under no pressure at all. Whereas every time Celtic took a throw in in the game, there was no one to throw it to. They were under pressure. Everybody was marked up. That is simply working harder off the ball. And Celtic, in that stage in the game, 2-1 down, should have been you know, ripping eyeballs out and clawing at people to get that ball back, to get it up the pitch. And we just kind of stood off and, you know... And that, that that was the disappointing thing. The disappointing thing was the the lack of reaction to 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 being behind, and and the the the, the, the you know the cowardice at the back not to 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 get the ball forward, uh, and then you know the last thing I'll add is once again just abject wing play, absolutely abject wing play. Well, well this this all <laughs> yeah. Well, like this all adds together though so like i i yeah i agree with you on the skills and uh phil's point but that comes with the added uh context of the midfield play was nowhere to be seen you know like in the first half matt o'reilly was getting on the ball and he was turning the defense and getting Celtic off the pitch in the second half iwata was invisible mcgregor was invisible and Matt O'Reilly was only getting the ball in the final third. And on top of that, as you say, the wing play, nowhere to be seen again. Static, just standing, waiting for the ball to come to them as opposed to moving. Like if you think about last year, I went over to see Celtic um, when Jota, uh, Giacomacus was actually starting the game and Abada was starting the game. And the thing that I came away from was it was thinking, it must be a nightmare playing against Abada and Jota because you didn't know which one of them was going to turn up on either wing. And it was the exact same when Maeda would be playing with Jota. They'd be constantly rotating to the other side of the wing, constantly moving. You didn't know where they were going to pop up and they were constantly available for the fullbacks to get the ball. And then add on top of that, the fact that Greg Taylor was just all over the place without being anywhere at all either. So you've got static play from players you need to be moving. You've got your left back running all over the place and just being out of position and not doing anything with the ball when he actually got the ball. So I, this is what confuses me here, James, because... When you think about Rodgers, you do not think about a team that don't know where they're supposed to be on the pitch in relation to others. They're like Rodgers throughout his career has always been with be that with Swansea when he originally came through on the scene, be that with Celtic on the first time, Leicester City, every single team that he has managed have been a team full of rotations, a team full of possession based uh, players who knew where to be, knew when to get the ball and were brave in possession. And you just don't see that with a Celtic team. Whether I and I don't know if you can put it down to the lack of quality because whether you, yes is it is it a bad Celtic team yes is it one of the worst uh, quality wise Celtic teams we've seen in a good few years yes but they are also still much better than Kilmarnock. So the question is, is it down to Rogers? Is this defeat down to Rogers or is this down to players not doing what Rogers wants them to do? Because I'm starting to lean on the 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 Rogers element of it because we've seen this since the start of the season that there does not seem to be a coherent plan for keeping possession of the ball. And that that leads to a lack of control of the game and that leads to Kilmarnock's tiny little bit of pressure that they're putting on our 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 centre backs and our forwards turnover of the ball continuously and pressure building until the point of time where Kilmarnock take the lead. 
I, I think these things are interconnected um, and it's very difficult to kind of disaggregate them. Um, not only for any single game, but even through the whole context of a season. Um, I, 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 so, you know, I, I give you my sense obviously is there's certainly a risk that um, Rogers getting a little bit more front footed in some of his public comments in the last couple of weeks uh, in this modern era of uh, players being on social media and probably, you know, uh, getting exposed to that kind of thing more frequently than they would have in the past. I, I could see that theoretically, again, I have no clue, but I could see that theoretically reverberating, um, you know, through a changing room. Uh, so that, that I think is a plausible, reasonable possibility. Um, but it, it's not independent of these other factors. So the the quality is a big problem. I mean, you, you, you can't have, I mean, this, this is, um, you know, b- basically one of the uh, tongue-in-cheek, dark humor jokes that I've made. It's like, well, which horrible vulnerability will our opponent look to capitalize on? And we, quite frankly, we haven't had that many that have said, oh, let's just like go balls to the wall, press these guys in their face. Because, you know, a lot of the time our back, our, our center backs and, and keeper or such, we'll just let them have the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've actually struggled quite a bit with that middle block um, with with teams just letting the center backs have the ball. And we haven't created all that much. Um, so th- this was one of those situations. And again, it wasn't for a huge amount of time. It was for basically a half hour, maybe a little more than that, where a team really hit the accelerator on getting in our face. But it was on a smaller pitch. It was on a plastic pitch. Like even what Alan was saying about that bravery, you know, that, that ball is almost like a hockey, an ice hockey puck on that surface with that kind of rain. I mean, even with the chance that O blew, which again, you, it's a bad miss, but the ball is moving at a different speed and even a different height skipping off of that surface than the 8,000 of those that he takes in, in practice off of the pitch that he's practicing on. Um, so it's not excuse, it's just context. And, and so I, I think that's why I call Sunday a perfect storm to a degree, meaning that, and it's not that we're out of it anyway, either, by the way, because some of the stuff may be persistent, uh, particularly if there's some discord within the dressing room. And again, I don't know that I'm not suggesting that's the case. I'm just saying it, it wouldn't be a shock in this modern age when you hear, you know, uh, if, if you're one of the nine people that came in this summer and the manager's been talking the way he is. And I, I think the manager's being accurate in his comments, by the way, but does that have repercussions relative to kind of mood uh, amongst the players and, you know, idiots like us on podcasts talking about stuff that some of these guys might be hearing too. Um, so, you know, all of that could be factoring into it. I, I do think that the, you know, when we talked about this, when Rogers came back, that the, the to a significant degree, there could be some latent knives ready to come out if things did turn sour and that he's going to get blamed, uh, good or bad. And I think this was a game where there's like, you know, legitimate topics for debate um, about selection and tactics and that kind of thing. Uh, I think there has to be given how bad the second half was. Um, but that, that's where I think one game is different than the whole season. And I, I don't think up until um, you know, very recently, uh, it's been a quote unquote Rogers problem. I think the other, uh, 
the other factors have been far more material. Just while we're on the topic of the quality of the squad, Alan, a question came in from Ian on our Twitter feed when we, we asked for some comments. And I thought it was an interesting one. Look, you have to factor in injuries to this as well, because uh, even though like Navrosky came in, he did get injured long-term. So he was left out of selection. Um, you've got Hatate and Abada out injured um, as well as Maida. So this does factor in, but he, he said that the starting 11 from Rogers. You know, last week when he changed it up uh, and even throughout the season, it seems to be reactionary as opposed to any sort of pre-planned idea. So it seems to be, you know, one player doesn't really play that well and he's out of the team and there's another player in. And then in two weeks' time, we could see Mikey Johnson dropped completely out of the squad uh, and not feature for the next couple of weeks. Like it's happened to a couple of players at this point in time where they've come in not not really made an impact and then we don't see them for a couple of weeks again and it does seem like it's almost jumping from pillar to post at times with Rodgers this year and there there hasn't been any sort of consistency throughout the season um, do you think that is a quality issue or an injury issue or a bit of both potentially okay. sorry Ian I will, I will answer that I just wanted to make one last point about the nature of the game which is and again I'm not making excuses this is just something that really struck me as I watched it back is that sometimes things just don't go for you. And what I mean by that is specifically the number of times Kilmarnock had the ball at the back and they launched it nearly over the height of the stands and then it fell into Bassell's lap or Watkins' lap was just astonishing. In fact, I think O'Reilly or Yang or somebody crossed the ball into the box. The, The lad just gets his foot on it and he launches it and it falls to Polworth in the middle of the pitch, unmarked. And he turns and he plays a really, he controls it well, and he plays a great pass to, uh, to Kennedy. Um, and then there's a defense, there's there's an absolute defensive catastrophe that happens after that. But that's on Celtic. But that happened a number of times, and it was just one of those days. I've never seen a team have as many recoveries in a half as Kilmarnock had in that second half. Meaning. I think they had, I think they had eighty over eighty and a half. Now normally it's between forty and fifty. They had over eighty recoveries. Now some of that is because Celtic were playing long. Celtic played hundred and attempted hundred and thirteen long balls. They normally attempt around sixty, and um, you know we know that the, the Celtic passing was abysmal. So that that will account for some of those recoveries. But some of it was just the fact that it, the ball just seemed to go to their players. All the, the second ball just seemed to. And now that you could argue they were mentally more switched on. They were in, in the right position. But some of it was just a bit freakish, frankly. So that's what happens sometimes. And it, and it happens in the course of the game. So I'll, I'll just throw that into the, into the mix. Not an excuse. Kilmarnock deserved to win. Absolutely. In terms of the uh, the comment about rotation and, and what have you, I, I, just don't, I just don't agree with that. I just don't have the evidence to back that up. You know, we're, we're averaging something like less than two lineup changes per game, right? Under Postacoglu, it was nearly three on the first time round. It was it varied between two and a half and, and three as well. So we're actually not making a lot of changes to our lineup. I mean, I made the point last week that I didn't understand why why you would put Burnaby on the bench and bring him on for ten minutes, and then then you don't see him again for three months. And and similarly with Tilio, Tilio gets thrown on to save a game, and then 
you don't see him again. He's on the bench the next week. There's those those sort of things I don't understand, and and I can only speculate that it might be uh, just you know who who shows well in training that week gets run. But but I, I've got no evidence that you know um, Rogers is being scatty in his thinking or inconsistent. I think it's a mix of injuries, and I think it's a mix of he's just trying to find you know trying to shore up the fact that half the team, at least half the team, is not of the quality needed to be starting for Celtic. And that's a shocking indictment. And I think he, he, he knows that. I think that's what he's trying to uh, to juggle with. And I, you know, I'm sure he has some part in signing off on, um, on, on you know, recruitment in the summer to some degree. Of course, of course he did. And, and, and Nat, Matt, Nat Phillips in particular was somebody that, that Rogers, uh, Rogers knew. But, you know, I, I, I don't think we're seeing a Rodgers team yet. And I think, we, we, you know, the club have done an appalling job. And when I say the club, I mean the recruitment and scouting team have done an appalling job in in not replacing the players that left that were first-team starters and not giving Rodgers the four starters that he asked for. That, that simply didn't happen. And, and, mm. I keep, and, 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 and we can, you know, we can talk about all these other things, but that's what he asked for. We're effectively seven starters down. The four that he asked for, the three that left after he, he put in his request, right? And they've and, and, and they've not been replaced. There isn't a single one of those nine players that I would call a Celtic uh, level starter. But just to just to like a, a counterpoint to that is right. Here's the reality of the situation: Celtic won the treble last season. They lost three players, one of whom was not a regular starter. He was coming in and out of the team, Aaron Moy. They lost Carl Starfelt, who we already, like last, last season, we were co- constantly talking about um, him being a, a little bit of a liability. And Jota, three starting players. That's what we lost. We lost from a treble, treble winning side. And all of a sudden, we've turned into muck. So I'm, I'm sorry, but like there is, there is the reality to face here that yes, we did not progress in the transfer window. That is absolutely true. Completely agree with that in terms of improving in Europe, but in terms of the domestic form and the way that Celtic are playing, they've lost three starters. That's all. It should not have been this dramatic of a drop, drop off. But it's, it's a bit like, you know, the situation with Hart, you know, Rogers recognised could he trust Hart for another full season? Requested a goalkeeper and didn't get one. So oh yeah, not, no, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying he should people left, left, but I'm just saying he re- he, rec- he recognised Taylor's limitations. Asked for a left back, didn't get one. Mm. I, I think wanted, the other he wanted, he want, you know he wanted a box to box midfielder, athletic. Uh, he got a number of projects. None of whom. No, I I I, I agree role. with the fact that we didn't do anything to improve the situation but what i'm saying is is that like he'd lost three players who were regular starters four if you count jackamacus because he was coming in off the bench when kyogo was injured and the drop-off is a, is as if we've lost five or six regular starters the, the drop in quality excluding the the age uh, progression of heart and the same with cal mcgregor outside of that it's the same treble winning side Right, so th- this is where the sorry, 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 we, we, sorry, James, but we've we've lost yeah. three players to to long term injury. That's no, I know, I know that. I know that. I know. Effectively, four players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if you think about it from the you know actual quality on the pitch, if 
Rogers' assessment was we needed to take last year's treble winning side and add upgrade four positions of quality. Um, we didn't get those, subtract three more uh, departures, and then subtract Abada, Carter Vickers for a material period of, period of time, now Maeda and Hatate. I mean, you're, you're talking a net swing of the entire team <laughs> um, as far as total number. Uh, I mean, you're you're basically at 11. Um, and, and that, I mean, that it, it not only is about the quality of the starting 11, but that eviscerates the depth. And, and I think that that's part of what we've been seeing is, you know, um, uh, flailing about is probably not the great way to say it, but some, maybe some exasperation uh, in trying to figure out, throwing some guys on and saying, well, not, you know, this isn't working. That's not working. Like, this is what I've got to work with. Yeah, but, you know, I'm not seeing it from really any of them and trying. Mm-hmm. I, I joked in a thread yesterday, it's, you know, it's kind of the – in in the festive time of year, um, you know, the Island of Misfit Toys <laughs> from the old cartoon, uh, Christmas cartoon. It, um, and, and we've, we've kind of got that right now um, with the squad. And I, again, I, I think that's where there is some, I, you know, reasonable uh, area for debate on, you know, formation tactics and, um, and selection within that context, because it, 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 we are kind of struggling a little bit. The other thing I want to say real quick, so I, I ran a little in preparation for this, because I, again, I think as bad as it's been, uh, and again, within context, I mean, we're still t- top of the table and, you know, this is all coming off of, um, you know, a, a really rough result is if you look at actual, you know, kind of underlying performance metrics, and I compared it to uh, calendar year peak Ange. Okay, so that's January 1 of 22 to January 1 of, of 23. Because I, I wanted to take kind of like the best period of Ange ball because that eliminates the, the end of last season when it was kind of, you know, we all know what was going on. Uh, and it also eliminates that first, you know, several months when we were transitioning and the squad was in complete shambles and, you know, McGregor was out and all that kind of stuff. Um and as Alan always says, we're we're talking about fine margins here. It, it, and and in fact, it's the biggest d- differential in that in those two periods, meaning that season to date right now versus that peak Ange ball uh, period was how well opposition keepers were saving the ball. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Like the the swing on that is 0.75 goals per game between what it was over that period when Ange was was the uh, manager, Peak Ange, and the first 17 games of this season when, and even on Sunday, uh, the Kilmarnock keeper played pretty well for a Kilmarnock keeper, and he's actually one of the better keepers in the league this year. Um, you know, we, we've seen that on multiple occasions this season where we've had opposition keepers do a pretty good job against us, whereas last year they were practically throwing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Throwing the ball in that. So all of these things contribute to narrative and anxiety. Um, and... <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I suspect that might be something that persists for much of the year. I mean, they were so bad last season; they almost couldn't be that bad this year. Um, so, you know, I, I I things like how slow buildup has been. You know, I did a, that part of that thread. It hasn't been materially slower um, under uh, Rogers this season than than it was under Ange. I mean, maybe it's like a little notch slower. Um, but again, some of that is probably because of the players that are playing. I mean, you know, Alan's talked about how, you know, he he's recording how slow scales is on the ball. And, you know, not that he's a bad passer. He's just a little more methodical and technical, you know, in, in transacting his his uh, his passes, that type of thing. Um, so if you take the depth issues, the quality issues, I, I think those are probably more so um, contributing to and all, all the baggage with Raj and I, I threw my hands up in my thread. It's like, that was my bias before I started looking into the numbers more specifically mm-hmm. this week. Um, after that 18, 19 season, when we were fairly glacial, <laughs> the, the infamous horseshoe that everyone talks about, that's kind of where that comes from because by the, his, the end of his first tenure, it was that, I mean, it was really slow and the numbers reflect that. That's not what we're seeing so far. Um, but that's the kind of thing that people automatically throw out that's, I would argue, not really accurate. And again, that's separate from, you know, should Awada have started? Should Kyoko start? I think those are all reasonable discussions for debate on selection. And, you know, should we be doing a different shape versus sticking with kind of the 4-3-3? I think, or go with two strikers. Like, these are all, I think, reasonable topics for debate. Um, but, you know, some of these things are, are, are evidentiary. I mean, that we can look at what um, is reflected and and kind of disprove some of them. One of them is that we're playing slow, and it's just that really hasn't been the case. 
just a final point on this because I, I don't want to labor it too much. Um, and it, like in the majority of situations, we're actually agreeing with each other here. And I do agree that we needed to add quality, but I don't think Rogers gets a full clean pass here because I, I like, if you look at the team of players that we have from last season, the treble winning side, I'll leave hard out of it because that's just, you know, we all know that he should have been, you know, he's getting too old at this point in time his reaction time. So I'm leaving him out of this. Cameron Carter Vickers injury aside, you have to take that into context is playing worse than he was last year. Johnson is starting to get back to it. Greg Taylor is way worse than he was under Ange Postacoglu. Cal McGregor is less effective. David Turnbull didn't really play under Ange, so you can't really count him. Kyogo is, has been the invisible man for the last number of weeks. You can put that down to um, wing player or whatever, but he is completely invisible under Roger's system. Hatate was poor and struggling to get into the side after being one of Ange's best players the last couple of years. And Maeda, outside of the Champions League, didn't really do anything for Celtic this season. So uh, I don't think Rodgers gets a free pass out of this at all because there are players who are still at the club who were champions. And Matt O'Reilly is probably the only one that you can say is playing as well, if not better, than he was under Ange. So I think there needs to be... A sc- maybe, maybe it comes after Christmas where we have a full picture of things and maybe Celtic are eight points ahead again after beating Rangers and everyone's happy again and maybe I'm just being reactionary here but the way that Celtic are playing this year is worse than it was last season and that can't just be down to quality Mm. because there are still eight seven or eight players who were treble winners last year in the side It, it just can't just be put down to the lack of quality brought in in the transfer market and maybe we start to see a better Celtic side when Hatate and Maeda and Abada are all back fit after Christmas and everything will be hunky-dory. But at the minute, I think there needs to be uh, a little bit of a check here that, you know, it can't always come down to the fact that there wasn't players brought in the summer transfer window. It just can't. There, there's still Rogers still has to work with what he has, as Ange did the year before and the year before that. There has to be an acceptance that Celtic are the champions, treble winners, by far and away the most dominant team in in Scotland over the last 10 years. And the performance against Kilmarnock wasn't good enough. So uh, that's sort of where I stand on the overall season so far. But Alan, you like to talk about uh, three mistakes leading to a goal. How many mistakes was in that second <laughs> Kilmarnock goal? Because I counted at least six just watching the replay today. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, all I'll say is, I I don't think I've other than other than Forrest starting in Rome, which I actually understand the rationale for, but I wouldn't have done it myself. I don't remember too many times where I've looked at the Celtic starting lineup and gone, that doesn't make any sense. So I do I do think he's, he's working with what he's he's got, and that's it. That's what that's the way it is. In terms of that goal, I could say the first thing is you know again. Paul, lucky. Let's start with Paul Worth's pass. It's a really good pass. He t- he takes the ball with ice on it off down from the from the, from the, the top of the magically landed at his feet and uh, you know great pass. But then, I mean, as the play develops, you're 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 wondering, well, why have we got three defenders getting back? I'm sure, Taylor will get back in a minute. Where is he? I still can't see him. Surely he'll get back in a minute. He's on the pitch after all. 
And there were two players, Kennedy and Armstrong, on that side of the pitch. Both of them are attackers. He'll be there in a second. And I keep waiting for that to happen. And I'm still waiting, actually, because I don't think he ever got back. And then Callum McGregor screaming at scales to go to the ball. And he fucking doesn't. He just he just jockeys, jockeys, backs off, backs off, backs off, right into his own box. Doesn't make it even difficult for him. Doesn't force a decision. Does nothing. And then Phillips is three yards behind him. Why is he three yards behind He's basically playing two attackers on side. And, and so that through ball with a player with four momentum versus a defender facing up the pitch is a simple is a simple ball. And you're always going to be, you know, have the advantage over those three or four yards. So, yeah, the, the, the three players, I had no idea what, what that was all about. It was, it was just horrendous. We might get you to turn your camera off, Alan, just to see if it, it helps with the connection. I should let people know in the comments that um, we have tried everything. Uh, it's not Alan's. It's not Alan's internet. Yeah, I'd say has pretty good internet. It just seems to be a streamyard issue. Um, I'm not sure why it uh, breaks up on Alan. But James, like that that second goal, it would break your heart. Like as Alan was saying there, Greg Taylor is playing right wing. Why is he right wing? And people people were sort of making excuses for him uh, when I was when I pointed it out on Twitter, saying that this is what he's been asked to do. It's like who who told you that? Greg Taylor was asked to play right wing and why wasn't everyone else informed well, of this decision? Yeah. I mean, I, so th- this goes back to, so it's interesting because, you know, part of the brilliance of Ange ball was this, these, you know, and you even mentioned it before about how Jota and Maeda would kind of pop up bilaterally in, in an unpredictable way. And, you know, Ange ball to a large degree was about all the patterns of play, the rotations and the overloads. Um, and by definition, when you get those overloads, if you get caught in transition, you know, that's when a left back can be over right wing if you're doing an overload and, um, or, you know, maybe he caught a, a, a channel of space and tried to capitalize on it. Like that happened under Ange too. This was an extreme example, no, no doubt. And the fact that he never got back, I think is, you know, notable and of interest. Um, but you know, so this goes back to also what what we were just talking about relative to, and we, and we discussed this again when um, Rogers' return was was um, uh, you know uh, reported, is that you know the hope was that he'd probably be, you know, or the expectation is he'd be more resilient in Europe, but probably we drop more points as a result of the way he plays domestically, and that's kind of what we're seeing. I mean, I. I'm sorry, but if Ange had this squad, meaning that the level of players that we have after that window and and the injuries, and again, that's a, it's a it's a you know an impossible uh, uh, you know it, it, it's it's a theoretical, obviously. Um, I mean, we we lost five one to Bodo Glimt and got our asses kicked with playing not the absolute A team. Um, so, you know, he would not have dialed it back against this group. <laughs> and how would we have done against Atletico playing Ange Ball or even against Feyenoord? Um, you know, so I, I, I think it's it's this has always been kind of the, the, the push and pull, the positive with the negative, is that it was going to be a finer margin domestically. And because of all of these things that we're talking about, that margin has not been wide enough um, and we're we're dropping even more points than we probably would have, you know, hoped for. Um, so I, again, I, I, I don't find any of this stuff kind of outside of the normal realm of expectations that we've been talking about for months. Uh, the details are obviously always 
you know, some, some surprises along the way. Um, but yeah, I, I just, to, to me, it's, it's not, um, because we've kind of been talking about it for so long now and we're, we're seeing evidence of it, it. It's not that surprising. So outside of like the initial, you know, hour of debauchery that took place on Sunday after that second half, you know, as calmer heads prevail, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, this is actually kind of within the realm that we we've been talking about for months. Mm. Yeah. So Alan, it feels slightly weird that I'm talking to a black screen, but we'll give this a go. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll look forward then. There's a fine or now tomorrow in Celtic park, last game of the champions league, regardless of what the result is. Um, and then just looking forward in general, like there seems to be, this seemed to be sort of a turning point within the fan base that something has to change and change drastically. Like what, what are you changing if you're changing anything going forward? When it comes down to recruitment, I've got no confidence at the moment that the recruitment scouting team is of sufficient uh, ability to uh, get uh, more in, more in the short that, term. But... So like outside of recruitment, like there, because mm. the reality is we're we're not going to get mm. four top quality players in January. So accepting that there might be one or two additions to the squad in January, like in the short term, what's the solution for you? Look again, you can only work with the players you've got. There, and, and as I keep saying, there's no great options here. Um, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that neither Navrotsky or Lagabielka are deemed to be better than Phillips. That that's kind of frustrating um i would like to see hope that one of those two would step up and uh actually be uh a more uh play a more prominent role uh, but uh, other, other um, you know it would be great to have hitati and maida and abada back but again as, as, as i said on twitter yesterday you know all, all these players always get better the uh the longer they're out injured right especially when you lose a game i mean abada was an impact sub last year Maida's attacking numbers have been horrible this year and uh, Hitati couldn't even get in the team under Rodgers and, and as we all know you've got to be with Hitati it's a balance between Hollywood moments and, and some not not so good moments so you know I think to sell that they'll still improve the team <laughs> and that's kind of where we are so uh, we need to, we need, Rodgers needs to get hold of Palmer and explain to him that one brilliant display every three games isn't good enough for Celtic. He needs to he needs to be working harder when things are not going his way and not going well. So that's one thing that I think would would help us a little bit as well. And then and then the midfield conundrum again. I mean, I said that we shouldn't change the midfield, but again, I'm talking from a position of what's the least worst option here. I think he, I do like Iwata, but to be non-analytical for a while, when Rogers talks about showing your personality, this is exactly what we're talking about. In a game like away at Kilmarnock, you step up and you take responsibility, you get on the ball, and you try and make things happen. You don't just tippy-tappy around and play nice, easy passes and get on the ball, doing them almost like the minimum job. When the team are struggling... A Celtic player has to step up and, and, and do and do more, and and unfortunately for the midfielders that, that's what we're saying. So three years definitely improved the team. I'd like us to make sure that Carter Vickers is is fit and uh, so it's, we're not constantly swapping him in and out, in and out, in and out. That will definitely help. 
But there's no great options here, right? Because again, I can't get away from it. It comes down to the quality of the squad that we've got. Uh, whereas last year, players, you know, Forrest was a year younger. Abada was an impact sub. Turnbull was an impact sub who wasn't running his contract down and looking to get out the door. Um, you know, Haksabanovic, as much as you might, people say, oh, Palmer's better. They're really not that a lot, not that much in it. Uh, you know, Giacomakis was an impact sub, uh, got a lot of goals, et cetera, et cetera. So outside of that quality first 11, there was sufficient um, impact off the bench. And and and, and so the, the, the collateral damage of not having that quality in the 11 is that we've pushed up options such that we're losing a game on Sunday and we didn't even use five subs. Mm. So, you know, you know. I, again, I come back to this is this is. I'm sure Rogers could do a better job in some respect. But until we don't have better players available to us, then games are going to be a struggle. But what I'll, what I'll kind of end on, if you like, is, is this in terms of being a bit more upbeat. Um, you know, the, the saving grace for Celtic here, and, and why I don't think this will be another sort of uh, like the COVID season in which there's an awful lot of external things that went that went wrong. I don't think that's that's on the agenda, he says, touching wood. Um, <laughs> is that, you know, not, we're not the only club that completely botched our summer recruitment, yeah? So the, the biggest rivals did too. And, and, and they're not a great side. They're really not a great side. And they've got lots of issues, especially in attacking areas and ageing defenders. And the rest of the league is, is, is not of a good quality at all. So I'm, I'm using a negative as a positive here, but, um, mm. you know, we can just we can just about stumble through the next few weeks on the basis that the opposition is very good. I'm sorry, but that's the best I've got. Yeah, well, I mean, we are slightly blessed that the title race is between two of the worst sides that have been in the title race over the last couple of years. James, I do I do wonder is like is there an unsettlement not down to anything outside of um you know a change of culture? I saw uh, Ki Sung Young was up at uh, the South Park training ground with the fellow Korean players like um, like uh, Oh and Yang and and Kwan. Um, I wonder, like, is that a, a ploy from Rogers bringing someone up? Just a little bit of climatization, little things like that might be a little silver bullet, maybe. Uh, yeah, so that that's a topic that we referenced in prior seasons where. You know, there was evidence that um, maybe the integration um, uh, services that were being deployed by the club may not be as ideal as possible uh, for players uh, coming from outside the country and, and don't speak the language, that kind of thing. And, and obviously that was stress tested in an in a unexpected and in many ways unfair way with lockdowns during um, during COVID. Um but you know maybe there's been improvements there but you know this is quite the melting pot of 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 a dressing room uh so it wouldn't be surprising if if you know there were some um integration issues or transition issues from players so you know that i i think that kind of thing um it's hard to see it being a bad thing uh or backfiring um the, the other thing i w- i was going to say about what we could do i mean i i i think that it as i said you know uh, maybe flailing about a bit relative to personnel. The one thing he, that Rogers hasn't done much yet is, um, and, and I don't think it's, you know, um, outside of his purview, meaning that he's done this quite a bit in, in the past relative to intra game. 
Uh, and he did it more so from the start of games at, at Leicester, but he wasn't the dominant team. He was more of a counter counterattacking team. Uh, there is, you know, change the shape a little bit and, and experiment with that a little bit. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to see that. I, I think our personnel does not suit um, 4-3-3 because of what – and I, I actually question whether it's going to suit it when we get all of our players that are out back, meaning Hitate and Maeda and Abada even, um, because we, we still don't have creative wingers. I mean, that that's not – you know, Bada's got good "quote unquote" creative stats, but that's more so from, you know, um, his positional intelligence and getting into really good spots, um, rather than him like beating guys one v one and getting to the byline or, you know, what I mean? Like it's like Jota. He's not creative in the sense that that Jota was, or you know, even um, uh, peak James Forrest at times. So I just I, I'd like to see us try some different stuff and and for example i think i think holm would be far better suited to be one of two in a you know, like four two three one playing next to mcgregor um you know whereas i i just you know him playing as an attacking eight to me does not suit his strengths and weaknesses um i've said the same thing about hatate I and mean, i think hatate's strengths are better playing deeper and you know, when he does have those Hollywood moments, a lot of them are from deep and and playing those beautiful switch balls or, you know, hitting those runs that Kyogo has been doing and wanting to pull his hair out this season because no one's getting him the ball um, or very rarely. So I, I, that's what I'd like to see. I mean, even going three at the back, I mean, and it might be counterintuitive given the situation that we have with center backs, but, you know, with Welsh's back, I could see Nebraska or even Scales as a left center back, Welsh as a right center back with Carter Vickers in the middle of that. And, um, you know, the issues there is one of wing backs. So, again, there's not an easy solution or else it would probably have already been reached. But that's what I'd like to see is a little bit more um, experimentation and creativity as far as maybe switching up uh, some of the positional roles and, um, and, and the shape for some of the players. Mm-hmm. So just before we finish up then, Alan, you've been on another podcast today, have you? A lot of comments coming in. Uh, not today. I, uh, well, in the week with us on Graham Spears' uh, podcast with the, the charming Matthew Lindsay and Harry Brady from Celtic Underground. Okay. And you were uh, talking about your your favorite topic, uh, referees. It's not my favourite topic. It just uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to think else is going to address this uh, this issue than uh, than somebody somebody has to. So yeah, yeah. And, and listen, it's one of these things that I think we all suspect and all have have worries about. And I prefer to take a more you know data orientated, fact based approach to these things, and uh, rather than just you know. You know, go go down the rabbit hole of debating individual decisions is is a complete waste of time because you just get what about that, but what about that one, and what about when he tugged his shirt and all that bollocks? It's just a way. It's just so. What I want to try and do is really play the long game and try and gather data over a long period of time and look for trends. It's as simple as that. And I think now that I think I'm now, uh, I my head is now at a place where there are sufficient, overwhelmingly odd trends in the data that, that, that tell me that there's a problem 
right? And that really was the main point of what I wanted to say. The whole question of why is there a problem and what do you do about it? To me, I'm taking at this point in time to get everybody lined up. But well, I say everybody get lined up. That sounds a bit very pompous, actually. I just what, what I where I want to get to, to is, is is you know, do people see that there is actually a problem here? I think it's overwhelmingly so, and it's not just the it's not just the seventy one no penalties against in the league thing. That's that's literally the tip of the iceberg. You know the Yorkshire whistle analysis. I mean, you know, I I know the Yorkshire whistle is doing a good job because he infuriates everybody, right? <laughs> All the Celtic fans think that every decision should be deemed to have been in Celtic, you know, have gone against Celtic and every every uh, Rangers decision was deemed to have gone in their favour and, and of course it doesn't, in reality, doesn't work like that. And then, and of course, because people get infuriated by that, they actually lose sight of what, what, it's, what the evidence actually is, which is, you know, when you look at the major decisions through the lens of a completely um, neutral expert, um, there, there are patterns over the last two years of one club getting more assistance than the other. When you look at penalties, this is all public data. It's the same. When you look at uh, things like, because um, again, common sense tells you that to get a penalty, you've got to get the ball in the box, right? Clearly, makes sense, right? So, you know, the more times you get the ball in the box, you would think, the more penalties you perhaps might get. Now, there will be variances there, and there will be runs of bad luck and all that stuff. I think three years is pretty good. You know, you know nearly a hundred over a hundred games. And when one side, when 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 the opponent has to get the ball into the box nearly three times more for for one opponent versus another, who's who's and that other is by far the most dominant team in Scotland. It looks like there's a pattern of assistance for one side. And there's other things. I looked. At, I've looked at the impact of decisions. So this is the whole thing of, you know, um, if you get a penalty in the 90th minute and you're four 0 up, it means virtually nothing. It has virtually zero impact on who's going that game, right? If you get a penalty in the 90th minute and it's nil nil, that has a massive impact on the expected points at that point in time given the game state, given the time in the game. So I've gone back and looked at all of the red cards, all of the penalties for Celtic and, and Rangers over the last, again, three seasons, uh, because that's... Uh, why do I pick three seasons? Uh, three, and a, three and a half seasons, actually. So, so it's more than that. Three and a half seasons, sorry. The reason I've picked that is because before that, there weren't really any patterns. But since then, there are patterns. And it's coincidentally, and I'm sure it is a coincidence, that 10 in a row was on the line. And then for the last three seasons... Champions League group stage football is on is guaranteed on the line, and it wasn't before. And what I've see, what I've found is that that over the course of those three and a half seasons, the benefit to Rangers of getting those red cards and penalties when you when you net off the ones they received versus the ones that were against them, worked out around about twenty six points worth of benefit. If you look at Celtic, who have been by far the dominant team over that period. It's around five points. That's five times the difference, which means that even if Rangers are getting the same amount, are getting the same amount of penalties as Rangers, the impact of those penalties is far, far less for Celtic than it is for Rangers. Celtic are getting, as I said, 
the penalty when you're 4-0 up or a sending off when you can commit to the opponent. Rangers are getting penalties in the 20th minute when they're a goal down or, or in the 80th minute when it's 0-0 and, and, and that sort of thing. So the, these are all different data points. They're, they're all based on public data that anybody can access. The only bit of data I've used that isn't available for anyone to, to access is, is the incursions into the box data, which is stats bomb. The rest of it, anyone could look at. And these are very simple metrics. These are not complex concepts, but, they, but they're quite powerful, I think. You know, um, you know, things like incursions into the box, it's, it's logical, it makes, it's intuitive. You've got to get in the box to win a penalty, for example. So there's, a, there's more. I could go on and on and on. There's actually more data. That's okay. Right? It's, a, it's okay. But, we'll do it another but, day. But, 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 but the point is, you know, Graham, Graham, Graham Spears, uh, you know, had to concede the data sounded like there's an issue, essentially. There's an issue. You know, he, he wasn't willing to go as far as to start saying, right, well, what do we do about it? But but he could see that he he, he couldn't he couldn't argue with it and he couldn't come up with a, another alternative explanation for why those trends are as they are. Uh, but because these mm -hmm. are trends and they're patterns, they're patterns in data over a long period of time, and they all point to a pattern of assistance for one club. That's the mm -hmm. problem. If people want to listen to that, they can catch it. What's it called? The Press Box is the name of the podcast. So if you want to listen Press to that, Box, Alan, yeah. uh, talk to uh, Graham Spears and who else is the Celtic Underground? Uh, Harry Harry Brady from Celtic Underground and yeah. Matthew Lindsay from the Herald. Okay, well, if, who, if denied, who, denied, who denied that he was a Rangers fan, which was hilarious. Can well, neither he, he confirm deny, nor deny. He just, he, just he, would, he would neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. 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 Um, right. Well, I think that's where we will park the podcast for this week. There is a game tomorrow. I think you guys are catching up on Thursday to uh, discuss the Feyenoord uh, game in uh, in the aftermath of that. So we will have a second pod for you on Thursday um, at some point in time, and we shall uh, chat to you then. Thanks to everybody who is commenting in the comment section. Uh, and no thanks to the people who are like chucking abuse at each other. There's no need for that, really. Um, <laughs> in the comments section of YouTube, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know what I'm really expecting. Uh, but uh, yeah, keep it, keep it nice and playful in the comments section. Don't be hurling abuse at fellow Celtic fans. That's all I'll say. Uh, right. That's where we will park the huddle breakdown for uh, this Tuesday. Back again on Thursday with a review of the final game. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Good luck.